Welcome to this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week I spoke with Sandy, who is now living in California in her schoolie with her family and working for Bus Conversion Magazine. From driving back and forth across the United States to creating an amazing Bus Conversion Magazine, Sandy doesn't stop. Grab a warm beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week, we have a special guest coming to us from south of the border that uh, works in a pretty cool industry, and uh, I think you're going to glean a lot of information from uh, Sandy. So, Sandy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, hi, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) Um, I am, let's see, 35 years old. Uh, My husband's a heavy equipment operator. He decided to retire. And we decided to travel around. So I work on the road full time for Bus Conversion Magazine. Uh, been around 29 years. Uh, it's all digital now. We have a website, a whole bunch of information for all kinds of bus conversions on there. Uh, and I travel around full time now. I'm sitting in Crescent City, California, sitting at the ocean talking to you. <laughs> it's pretty great. And where did you uh, grow up, Sandy? Oh, Sacramento, California. And were you both from Sacramento? Uh, my husband's, I think he was born in about Humboldt County area, and then he moved off to Montana. So he stayed on the, the West Coast area, but uh, all over, I would say he's always moved around. And like work-wise for yourself, what are some of the jobs that you've done in the past? Uh, so I started out as a certified nurse's aide, um, working in a nursing home. And then I moved to the receptionist position. Um, Then I did a few gas station jobs, um, customer service there. Um, And then we moved to Louisiana where I did paralegal for about two years. Moved back to California. uh, Worked at the little store up in Dutch Flat, California. Um, That's about it. I just try to work in little stores usually, customer service. Um, And that's kind of how I landed this job. the owner of the company, Gary Hatt, uh, offered me the front page for my bus, and I was I was pretty excited about it, but I was actually pregnant at the time. So I messaged Gary Hatt on um, Facebook Messenger, and I asked him, do you know any companies that hire, you know, on the road? Because I was trying to find a job, and it was, I was running into scams, uh, people that wanted your money up front. It didn't make much sense. So he messaged me back and asked what I could do. And I pretty much told him, you know, I've been an uh, office assistant, paralegal, so I'm pretty good with computers. And he, uh, he pretty much hired me on the spot. Um, pretty happy working there since then. Um, I've gone from just, I was going to be doing sales for the advertisement spots. And now it's blown up into, um, I'm the admin. So I handle all the classified ads. Um, editing the magazine, getting the stories together. I mean, anything you can imagine on there is pretty much I'm involved with. So it's taken over my life and I'm now what they call a bus nut. Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty crazy about buses now. And how long have you been working with the magazine for? Uh, Started September 2019, so almost two years now. And you have a bus and you live in the bus, correct? I do. We have a 1994 Thomas safety liner. Uh, it's a rear engine. It's got a cat 
3116 with the Allison transmission. Uh, we've been living in it full time for three years in June. Um, we started off in Sacramento. We did the build in Alta, California, and then we drove to Portland. My husband got another job there, and then we were kind of, we say stuck there. Uh, <laughs> our tags for the bus were kind of haywire during COVID, and DMV was shut down. So I think we spent a good 18 months or so in Portland, and then took off to the East Coast. We drove as far as possible. <laughs> so we went from Portland, Oregon, all the way to Portland, Maine, uh, <laughs> and then drove down to my mom's house in Louisiana, and then over to Schooly Palooza in Ehrenberger, Arizona. That was February, and that was pretty great. Yeah, so the, the build that you guys done, was there anything specific that you needed to do the, with the build because of the, for you, it would be the heat, I guess? So we didn't really do much about that. We left the ceiling the same. Um, we decided that if we're living in a bus, we should probably be moving with the weather. Like the plan's not to be in Arizona during the summer. So we're on the coast or we're up north. Uh, we do have, you know, box fans or whatever, and a couple of air conditioner units, window units we can put in the windows. And we have uh, reflect sticks, um, window coverings, kind of keeps the heat or the cooled out. Uh, we are more, more actually built for winter weather. We have a wood stove. Um, we have space heaters if we're plugged into electricity. So we're more prepared for colder climates than we are hotter climates. And living on the bus, uh, how many people are on the bus with you? It's me, my husband, our 15-year-old daughter, and uh, almost two-and-a-half-year-old son, and a little tiny dog. Very cool. And um, is your daughter homeschooled, or is she? She is. Uh, she is. So we did the first two years of bus life doing, um, I guess it would be a charter school through California. So she finished that. She finished middle school, and then we started high school through um, American Academy. Um, we started that the beginning of this year and she's due to graduate uh, October of this year coming up, which means that she just finished high school in like a year and a half. Too much for me as mom. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so she wants to start college. She says she's gonna, when she gets her license, she wants to get a little tiny short bus and maybe follow us around go to college online until she's old enough to like take off in the bus on her own. <laughs> and she enjoys living in the bus? She does. Um, it was, I think that might be the biggest question we have is her adjustment. Um, I think at first it was a little rough. We had been going to that school up in Ulta for about five years. She made a lot of friends, but when we, when we left, we kind of eased off because I was actually pregnant. So we went to Grass Valley, which is like, like across the highway. Uh, so she still got to go see her friends and whatnot. And then COVID happened. And I think she quickly realized that she was actually pretty lucky, um, both in seeing her friends and school-wise. School-wise, it didn't affect her in the slightest, obviously. But seeing friends, we are able to go, you know, quarantine for 14 days, then go see people then quarantine. Um, for instance, her, like one of her little best friends 
was a Girl Scout with her in Alta. She moved all the way to Maine and we drove all the way to Maine and she spent her birthday with her. So she still has all those you know, teenage interactions that she needs. It's just that we do it on the move and with different people constantly. And what about at uh, Schoolie Palooza? Did you find there's a community of teenagers there for her to uh, connect with? Yeah, funny story. She's got a boyfriend from Schoolie Palooza, <laughs> her first boyfriend. So that that's in the back of a mom's mind too. Is she going to be able to experience that kind of stuff, you know, making those connections? And yeah, they do still anyways. And they're, they talk every day, text messages, um, we have plans to probably meet up in Oregon at some point. So they live in a schoolie too. Um, so yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot different uh, communication. Like when you and I were growing up uh, connecting with people versus kids today uh, connecting with people. And you meet somebody in person for the first time and then you have that digital connection uh, that lasts a lifetime if, if need be. Absolutely. And it works for the friends that she's already made too. You can FaceTime somebody and and get the same kind of, maybe not exactly the same kind of connection, but pretty close, you know, visual, you can show them your room and, and all that stuff or where you're at. So I think she's, she's adjusted. Well, she's, she's definitely realized that she's lucky. Um, and she talks about it all the time to everybody. So now you went from Portland to Portland. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you've had a few adventures along the way. Are you able to tell us about an adventure you might've had? So I don't know. I think bus life adventure <laughs> probably means like, oh my gosh. Uh, so I would say we blew two tires in Wyoming. We blew the passenger rear two tires at the same time. Uh, that was kind of scary, but the driver did a re great job keeping the bus under control. Uh, we pulled over. They had to tow us backwards down the interstate in order to turn around and get the right way on the highway. So that was crazy. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has a picture of our bus being towed backwards down the interstate. Um, um, other than that, uh, can't really think of much else. What kind of we price tag is associated with blowing two tires like that? Oh my gosh. I always say the wrong price and my husband always corrects me, but I think we walked away with the I think $1,400 for all four back ones. Uh, the front, so the front ones were fine. The rear ones were rear retreads and we didn't know it. Um, so I would suggest that everybody goes and gets their tires checked out. If they're retreads, just get regular tires, just get new tires um, and check your date codes, learn what those are because ours were really old, way too old to be traveling on the roads. So, it's something that we, we can't know everything, I guess. Um, so tell so, me a little bit about that. Uh, you said it's date codes or? Yeah, so there's a code on your tire, um, like not etched in usually, uh, maybe raised. And it's a code and it's it says, I think it's the, the month and the year that your tire was made. And I think that you're not supposed to have it over, you know, a certain amount of years. And I think we were at like 13 years out of date code. And I think that's pretty dangerous. So um, you can Google it, actually. If you Google date code on tires, it'll show you images of what you need to look for. And it's date as in like the date of the month? Yes. Cool. 
Now, you must have had some adventures along your way um, beyond just the Portland to Portland. What's, uh, what's an adventure you and your family would have gone on? Well, I think we went to the Outer Banks. Uh, I think it's North Carolina. Uh, that was kind of exciting. My husband, I work constantly. So my head's either down in the computer or I'm on the phone emailing people. So um, he drives us everywhere and I have no idea where we're going usually. So we're out in the middle of Outer Banks and I finally, which I also constantly do, type into my Google Maps, where am I? <laughs> Just so that I can see like on a map, like where I'm at. So I typed it in and I'm like out on the middle of a sandbar in the middle of the ocean. And I'm like freaking out, like, what did you bring us to? And it's literally a piece of sand out in the middle of the ocean. But our bus made it, it's super pretty. I, there's a federal park out there you can stay at. I don't remember how much it costs. So nice. Uh, Maine, we went to um, the national park out there, Arcata. So, I mean, if you go to Maine, you have to stop there. Absolutely. There's just so much. I mean, we've seen so much. And we're not even stopping. We're going, it's like, we're, we went in a big circle and now we're starting up again. So, now yeah, so how crazy. often do you travel? Oh, we're constantly, we're full time. So I, we live in this bus and we park every night somewhere. Um, there's Boondockers Welcome which is um, you buy a membership and people offer up space on their private land for you to park on. Uh, each person has their set of rules, generators, dogs. Uh, if you want hookups, it might be like $10. So that's one thing we sometimes do. There's harvest hosts, which is wineries, breweries, uh, museums. You also buy a membership to that, and it's a one-night stay. So that's nice when you're traveling. Super tired. Dad gets to park at a brewery. We all eat dinner, and he gets, you know, a few beers at the end of the day. Um, that's a good one. Um, casinos. We park at casinos. Um, we just did our first one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Blue Lake Casino. That was pretty cool. You go and you sign up for members rewards. They usually have a tank dump, water hookup, you can get your tanks filled. So that's what we do. We just travel constantly. That's what we've been doing for, you know, three years now. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So now, of your bus, uh, this is your first bus that you've built? It is. Uh, do you see any plans of building a second one? Uh, this one is so near and dear to our hearts <laughs> and has taken us so far. Uh, it's like a family member. So if there was any big complications mechanically, we would just rebuild this one most likely. Um, if something catastrophic were to happen to the body, we would most definitely build another one. Now, working for Bus Conversion Magazine, I didn't know before that there was like OTR buses. I mean, we had thought about doing, oh, let's go get an old Greyhound bus because they've got all the storage compartments and blah, blah. But we decided against it. I don't remember why. Probably startup cost of the bus. Um, but now working for Bus Conversion Magazine, I'm seeing 
GMCs and, you know, all, all these different kinds of buses that I really didn't even understand. So I don't know if I would do another schoolie. I think I might move on to maybe an MCI or a GMC. Yeah, being able, being able to work for the magazine, much like this podcast, you get to speak to so many people that are doing really interesting things that it really sparks your mind of what could happen. So if that was the case, what's one thing that you would consider doing differently in the, uh, the bus? If I were to redo the schoolie, um, I would say insulation, both in the flooring and I think in the ceiling. Now we kept our metal ceiling, but I think when I took down all those lights, I think I would have sprayed some more insulation into the light holes and such because we lose a lot of heat and cool air that way. Um, and the floor is really, really cold, but I usually wear slippers or flip-flops. So, I mean, I'm making it, but insulation. But we, we, didn't, we didn't do it because my husband is six foot two and we didn't want to lose any headroom at all. So we didn't do any insulation, but... Yeah. I saw, an, I think it was your last magazine, you had Ivan McCroy out of Quebec? Yeah, I think he was April 2020. Oh, was it? Yes. And uh, I saw it recently. And uh, yeah, he was my second podcast host. And I didn't realize how, uh, how much work he's done in the schoolie community in Canada. And it's actually the, he does uh, MCI buses. So he's doing those big coach buses. So he's, uh, he's somebody in Canada that's doing some pretty cool stuff. And same deal here in the north, it's insulation, insulation, insulation. And then when you're done that, a little bit more insulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's on his third bus. It's pretty amazing. He just finished his third bus. So we had his first one, I think it was February 2007. And then, yeah, we just had a second one. And now I'm like, hey, Ivan, you going to give me your third article? So <laughs> I'm pretty excited about have seeing you, that MCI. Have you seen what they purchased recently? No. It's like a, it's like an old bread van or an old um utility van of some kind that they're uh, going to take on as a project to convert they're too much they're too much <laughs> yeah and we're getting binks tube b-i-n-k-s tube uh we're getting them on the cover i don't know probably in the next year or so but come to find out that, that that's their grandparents ivan and uh sylvie so there's like a family bus thing going on around here <laughs> Very cool. Binks tube. Is that what you said? Yeah. They're on YouTube. They're on Instagram. Uh, oh. Yeah. Let's check that out. <laughs> yeah. They so bought now, a bus from HDTV did. Um, I think HDTV did a series on some kind of bus conversion. I think they, and they bought the bus from that and they redid that. So it's a pretty cool story too. Wow. I didn't realize there was a family history there. Yeah. So now in Canada and in the States, uh, you've been doing this for a while. If people are out there and they're thinking about getting into doing a bus conversion, whether it be an MCI or Greyhound or a schoolie, what's a piece of advice that you would offer for them? I would say look as hard as you can for rust because that's your foundation. And if you're starting with rust, I'm not saying it's not fixable or treatable, but 
that's a big like first expense because when you buy one of these buses, you're just super excited. You get the seats out and you just want to get everything built. And that's just, it's like a showstopper or at least a pause button. Uh, so I would say, think about where you're getting your bus from and just like, look for the rest. Don't just, just look for it because it's, it's underneath things. Look underneath the bus. Um, look for a tear in the floor, maybe try to pry it up a little. Maybe they won't mind. <laughs> now in the States, uh, here they use in some places along the coasts, a lot of salt on the road that erodes the buses faster. I know in the Northern States, they were experimenting with a, uh, it was called a brine and they were mixing, it was like 10% salt and 90% water and putting that on the road. So it reduced the salt erosion or corrosion. Um, would there be a place in the States where you'd be like getting a good bus that wouldn't have rust? I think um, there's actually a really great company in uh, Arizona, AAA bus sales. They, I think that's like the number one place to go. Everybody talks about it there. Um, I would say probably most people try to shop for their buses in the South. Um, it's just drier. The East coast, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there would be a lot of moisture and a lot of salt on the roads. And, and th that way too, if you're getting a schoolie, you definitely, I think you want to get one that's been in service, one that's been used and maintained and cared for. I don't think you would probably want one that had been sitting in the yard as a backup bus. Um, uh, so you might want to look into that too, maybe. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you see as the future for you folks moving forward? Well, I mean, I just don't even see anything besides buses. It's engulfed my life. Um, and I'm, it's a hobby and a job and my lifestyle. I, when we got into this, people would ask us, like our family would ask us, you know, how long are you planning on doing this? And my answer was, you know, about two years and we'll get her through her first two years of high school online and then we'll, we'll, we'll settle down and get her into a high school for prom and all that. But now that we've already been in the bus for three years and she has no plans of slowing down to go to a public school, uh, I don't see a reason to stop, especially house prices right now. I'm not seeing my friends have a good time trying to buy a house. So that's not an option. I think we've got it made right now and I'm going to ride this until the wheels fall off. What are the, what are some of the house prices that you're seeing from your friends? Uh, to be honest, I don't even pay attention. I don't even, but I do see their Facebook posts like, Oh, you know, I like one person was saying that they don't want to offer $400,000 for a house that's worth 250 just to beat the person that's giving cash offer. So wow. That seems insane to me to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars more for something that's not worth it. In Canada now, the market is just going wild and we're getting out of it. We just sold our house. Um, but my boss's brother just, there was a house for $499,000. He put in an offer of, I think it was 650000 and the house went for 810000 Oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That's insane. I can't even. And and for us, we started traveling because we didn't know where we wanted to live. We were in the middle of California, up in the mountains. It's a beautiful place to live. I loved everybody up there. But buying a house is expensive. 
getting insurance on it is it sounded like for my friends almost getting to be impossible because of fire dangers, fire hazards. You're having to cut trees all over your property. And then the fact that it might just, you know, catch fire. And then if it's not on fire, you're spending fire season breathing in forest smoke all season. And it's unbearable at sometimes. And I just don't want to deal with that anymore. So I don't know where I want to buy, but it's not in California anymore. Sadly, it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really changing uh -huh. and changing quickly. Yes. Yeah. So now you're on social media. Um, where can people find you? So you can find our bus if you type in hashtag bus living, B-U-S-L-I-V-I-N. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and then the magazine is also on all those platforms. Uh, you just search bus conversion magazine um, and you'll find us there. And you Google us, you'll find our website. Uh, yeah, and we have a monthly magazine, like I said. We have, if you have an OTR bus over the road, uh, we probably have an owner's manual or something like that for you. Um, we have a blog, we have a classified section. There's an events list. If you have an event coming up that's bus related, send us the information and we'll post it up there for free. So there's, there's a big list of all kinds of events happening, Canada and uh, United States. Um, so check out the website, super helpful because once you subscribe, you get that monthly magazine, but you can go back and look at um, archived magazine copies. So you can read old copies of Bus Conversion Magazine too. Now, do you do any work internationally if uh, people were to reach out to you in regards to stories they have? Absolutely. Uh, so what actually usually ends up happening is I'm reaching out to people. I follow them on Twitter or Instagram and I'm like, oh my gosh, your bus is so nice. Um, and then I ask them for a story and then I ask them to write the story. So they write the story, they send in the pictures, we'll make some captions. Um, I'll take anything about a bus conversion. Uh, we love it all and it's, it's all useful for anybody getting into it. So yeah, I'll take it all. You must be inspired every day you go to work to talk to people about buses and schoolies and MCIs and everything in between. I am. It, it's actually a little bit weird. Um, like Schoolie Palooza was like like Disneyland for me because I knew that I could go talk to anybody out there about anything that's can. You can go talk to somebody about their van conversion. You know, like your stove. My God, it slides out. That's amazing. Like you can talk to those kinds of people. Then you get back into the real world, and not everybody is like Schoolie or nomad oriented so you back to feeling kind of like an outsider so i can't wait to hit up my next event i don't know where it's going to be but hopefully soon have you found any uh, places in the u.s that would have like communities of um schoolies i guess more like tiny houses like have you seen communities pop up specifically just for those like-minded people uh, I do know that there are some. I personally have not seen them uh, or visited them yet. Uh, I've seen a hippie camp on Instagram. That's what they called it. Uh, but yeah, I haven't actually personally experienced anything yet. You always have something to explore. Yeah, right. I do. I'm, I'm trying to get to a hot spring. Like that's my next goal. I want to like bathe in a hot spring. 
Have you uh, have you been across the border yet to Canada? No, because COVID was a problem. So I haven't even checked if the borders were open back up yet. But that's the next plan is Canada. We have to get our passports. We haven't done that. COVID's shut down a lot and made a lot of things pause, made me pause. So I guess I have a lot of work to do. But yeah, Canada, Mexico would be great. Uh, we talked about shipping the bus overseas, but that seems like a bit much, especially when you have to not only ship it, but then make it road legal in that country inspections. Mm. And so maybe not. <laughs> All in time. Yeah. So now, Sandy, what would you have for final words for uh, the folks out there? I would say people are going to say you're crazy. People are going to look at you super crazy, but just go with it. Just do it. Work hard at it. It's achievable. I mean, I came from, I mean, we were making $45,000 a year, I think. And, you know, he's working nine to five out of town and it, we're just normal people. And we did it. All you have to do is just set your mind to it and you can do whatever. I know a lot of people say that, but it's for real. And now do you see more people doing this kind of, you know, bus conversion or tiny living? Are you seeing more of that? So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. When COVID first started, you saw a lot of people are home from work and they didn't really have much to do. So then they're like, oh, schoolies, those are cool. They start building them. Um, but now, now wood and lumber uh, is way, way expensive. So I feel like people are kind of getting hung up on that problem now. But it's blowing up. I think Schoolie Palooza uh, this year, they had like 240 something buses, something like that. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's blowing up. But as a traveler who's out here 24 7, I don't actually get to see that many schoolies in the wild. I'll see, like, I, th I think I saw a short bus the other day at the laundromat, but I'm like, where is everybody? I'm on the West Coast. <laughs> like, I don't know. You'll have to, uh, when the border opens, you'll have to come to Canada. We'll have a, a gathering of some kind. There's one that happens in Quebec in July. Um, but yeah, we'll have some kind of national schoolie gathering, North American in Canada. Yes, that'd be great. Make sure it gets listed with us if you see, like, info. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, listen, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us folks up here in the north. And uh, maybe someday we'll uh, stop in where you folks are on our travels. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, Thank you for sure. having me. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. And we'll be in touch. All right. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day by the, uh, or you said you're by the ocean? I am staring at it right now. Mm, very nice. Very mm -hmm. nice. Very cool. All right. Okay, and thank you very much, Sandy. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for carving out some time in your day to listen to this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. You can listen to more of our podcasts through Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, or from wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us through our website, acanadianschoolie.ca, or follow us on Instagram and YouTube under A Canadian Schoolie. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to one another.